open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, I don't know when it started, but as far back as I can remember, back whenever I uh, was first saved, in fact, and first started preaching, it used to be a common practice that uh, somebody preaching a revival meeting or in Bible conferences or whatever, and uh, uh, people, especially the kids and the teenagers, uh, wanted you to sign their Bible, and uh, I, there's no telling how many hundreds of Bibles over the years that uh, that I signed, and uh, I always use the same verse, it's same verses, I should say, and that's Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. Uh, I, n- not only that, but in regards to you know birthday cards, all all kinds of cards and letters and correspondence to my children and relatives and what have you, and uh, about 99.9% of the time, uh, I always had these verses. And I'm saying that because these verses, at least for me, are so very important. Uh, They've been uh, some of my very favorite scriptures all through the years. And I think a lot of other people would testify that uh, these verses are among their favorites also. Uh, the famous preacher G. Campbell Morgan, from many, he's been dead many, many years now, but uh, back when he was a young man and he was leaving home to launch out on his own, uh, kids used to do that, you know, but uh, <laughs> uh, he was leaving home, and so uh, his, his daddy pressed a little note in his hand, and uh, all folded up, and uh, later on, when he was alone, he read that note, and it simply said, in all of thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And G. Campbell Morgan said, looking back, he said uh, that he noted that there was no text or comment, nothing else, just that. And then he said, no comment except the comment of my father's godly life. And it impacted him greatly, and he carried that with him throughout all of the many years of his ministry. Uh, That man had discovered what a precious treasure uh, these verses are, and I hope you do the same. If you're not familiar with them, I hope after tonight that they'll become precious to your heart. Uh, you look at them, let's read them, trust in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all of thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. We we read that and and automatically we see that well, that is so simple that that a child can understand it. And, and yet it is so sublime that uh, even the mat- most mature Christians can rejoice in it. And we should never get to the point that that the truth of these verses doesn't touch our heart. And uh, it ought to provide hope whenever you really look at what he's saying. I mean, we live in a world that's a tough place to live. And in this we find hope that God's going to be with us. He's going to guide us and direct us. And uh, so we find hope for the... Uh, for the future, encouragement for whatever it is that we're going through. And uh, so in all of our 
in all of our various situations, we find ourselves in desperate need of God's help. And there's several reasons for that. Number one, the complexity of life. Uh, you know, life isn't, you know, as simple as, as, as we sometimes think it is. We just think it's eat, sleep, and be merry, for tomorrow you, you may die. But really, uh, uh, there's a lot of complex things in life. We, whether you're talking about politics, and, you know, we look at politics and we think we understand it. And we haven't even touched the hem of the garment as to what's really going on in politics when it comes to science or any field that you can think of. Uh, life is so complex. When you think about the birth of a baby uh, and the complexity of, of, of that little child, God bringing a child into this world. Well, because life is so complex, it's something we can't figure out on our own. We need a promise like this. We need this kind of assurance. But not just the complexity of life that we're dealing with in the present, but our ignorance of the future. We don't know what's down the road. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, we turn the news on and we uh, look at the news and we think, well, you know, we consider the trends naturally and we think, all right, if those trends continue, this is what's going to happen. And, and you know, our assumption would be right, of course, but, but they don't always continue. Things have a way of always changing. And uh, so consequently, because of our ignorance of the future, we need some kind of assurance that we're going to be on the right track wherever the future takes us. And, and then there's the demands of duty, uh, the fact that we have an awesome responsibility to serve God. And uh, God doesn't hesitate to impose great demands upon us. When he says, unless a man forsake all that he had, he cannot be my disciple. I mean, hey, that's pretty heavy stuff when you think about it. That we've got to have a willingness to forsake everything we have, to put everything second to Him. And the demands of life requires that we have something to cling to, and that's exactly what we see here. And then there's the matter of the frailty of the flesh, because we're all much weaker than what we suppose. Because of the frailty of the flesh... We need something to depend upon other than ourselves. And, and here we find the Lord telling us what to do. I want you to look at three things tonight. First of all, the command in verse number 5. And, and by the way, this is a command. It's not just an invitation. Uh, it's not just an offer. It's an obligation. Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. That particular Hebrew word trust means to lean up on. When we come to the New Testament, most of the time we see the word faith, but here in the Old Testament, the equivalent of it is this word trust. And it's the idea of leaning up upon something so as to put all of your weight up on it, uh, being confident that it's not going to let you down. Over the years back in Missouri, I've crossed some really rickety old bridges. I mean, uh, back when I was a boy, I mean, most everything was gravel roads, and I know it was the same way down here. And, uh, and, and over every creek, you know, there would be an old rickety bridge, and you just wondered to yourself, are we going to make it across this thing? Because you could look at the planks, and they were cracked and everything, and... Uh, 
You know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to uh, to get on firm ground where you can, you know, put all of your weight upon something and know it's not going to let you down. And so this is what he means when he's talking about trust in the Lord, lean upon the Lord. Have you ever thought about what life might be like were it not for faith, society couldn't function. I mean, the, the, the banks uh, would, would, would go under. The economy would crash uh, were it not for faith. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the kind of faith wherein that we rely upon something or someone uh, and uh, we think, you know, well, I've got so much money in the bank, Really? I mean, if we all had a rush on the bank and went down there and going to draw out, you know, our, uh, our, our money, we'd probably discover, well, wait, we don't have that much money. Uh, and you see, it's all built on faith. That's, that's what it's all about. And uh, if we don't trust the system to work and we decide that we want all of our money and we want it right now, automatically it's going to create problems. Uh, we, we think about getting on an airplane. I, you know, I, I'll never forget the first time I ever uh, got in an airplane. It wasn't something I, uh, I wasn't scared to death or anything, but uh, uh, it wasn't something I really wanted to do. Uh, I, I, I trusted my boss. It happened to be that he was the pilot and had a Beechcraft Bonanza and flying all over the the place, laying out AT and T sites, and so. Uh, I developed a coping mechanism, though. It's called sleep. And uh, I, and he, I, I can remember him getting so mad at me because we'd have some client in there, you know, and, of course, they only seat four people. And I was generally in the back with the client and uh, uh, my boss and the vice president being the, in, in the front seat, and I'd just go to sleep. And he'd chew me out because... You know, here we are trying to get this business or whatever, you know, and you, you go to sleep. You don't even talk to the guy. But but anyway, at some point in time, if you're going to fly, you've got to trust somebody, right? That's just the way it is. I mean, you walk if you want to, but, uh, you know, that doesn't work out very well, does it? So you just have to trust someone. I've never met anyone yet that went out here to the airport and uh, got on the plane and uh, knocked on the cabin door and said, I just want to inform you that we're not leaving here until you explain to me what all of these gauges mean, what everything does. When I understand it, then we'll take off. Nobody does that, right? Uh, you just trust the pilot, somebody you've never even met before. Or you go to the doctor and he writes out a prescription that you can't even read, and you go to a pharmacist you've never met, and he gives you a bottle of pills, and you have no idea what you're taking, and you just gobble them down just like, like they're vitamins, and you have no idea what they are, but you're trusting someone. Now, when he says trust in the Lord, understand, and you've heard people say, well, I'll tell you one thing, I've got a lot of faith, and what they mean is, well, I've read Norman Vincent Peale's book, you know, The Power of Positive Thinking, and what they mean is, I've got a lot of faith in the sense that I think positive about things. When we talk about faith, uh, biblical faith, we're not talking about just, you know, conjuring up in your mind the most favorable circumstances and believing that that 
that's what's going to happen. We're talking about the object of the faith. That's what is really important, trust in the Lord. So it's not just saying, well, I've got a lot of faith. Well, that means nothing if the object of your faith lets you down, you see. Now, when he says trust in the Lord, and remember I said that's a command. If we don't, if we don't trust in the Lord, what? We're living in rebellion, right? I, I mean, there's no two ways about it. We're either living by faith or we're walking by sight. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. So if, I, if I'm not pleasing God, then I'm rebelling against God. So this is not a matter that we can take or leave. And we can all think of numerous sins, for example. We could all make a list. If I said, take your pencil and piece of paper, just give me a list of ten sins, uh, I could almost guess what those sins would be. And I doubt that anyone would have on there the sin of doubt or the sin of a lack of faith in God. And yet, that's a sin whenever we fail to trust God. Have you ever thought what an insult that is to God? God who's never failed in any way whatsoever. And for us to say, oh yeah, I know what you want or I know what you said, but I'm not going to trust you today. So... The command is to trust in the Lord. Now, there's two things I want you to notice about that. Number one, number one, he tells us it, it must be exclusive faith. He says, trust in the Lord. Turn to the, now this is kind of a dirty trick, but turn to the middle verses of the Bible. Would anybody know where to go? Psalms, Psalms what? One, no, 118 and verse 8 and 9, right in between there. And I want you to look at that because, uh, because it deals with exactly what we're talking about, and that is putting our faith in God and in God alone. And, and I think it's noteworthy that this is the very heart and center of the Bible. Verse 8, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man and it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Now, that's exactly what we've been talking about all of this time, trusting the pharmacist, trusting the doctor, trusting the pilot, trusting all of these different people. And notice he says it's better, it's better if we put our confidence in the Lord rather than uh, other people. You know, we print in God we trust on our money. Well, we do that, and we know that it's that kind of thinking that made America great. But I'm really afraid that we have all but forgotten that. And if we're going to expect God's help and God's blessings, we have to trust Him alone. You know, doctors are wonderful. And I am so glad that we have all of the modern-day, you know, technology that makes life easier and so forth. That's all wonderful. I'm glad for the medicines that we have. But let me tell you, were it not for God, none of that that would have happened. I mean, we, we need to remember that and that God is involved in all of that. And just because a, uh, a surgeon does the actual surgery, it's God and God alone that does the healing. And so our faith has to be exclusive faith. It's not God plus somebody else. It's God and God alone. But notice, not only exclusive faith, 
but it has to be entire faith. He says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We read that so many times, and uh, it's real simple to, to, to understand with all thine heart. But I, I don't think we understand how important that is. Trust in the Lord, and he could have just left it there, right? He could have said, trust in the Lord. But he says, trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. You see, he not only tells us what to do and who to trust, but he tells us how to do it with all thine heart. Uh, you know, to put it in modern-day English, that would simply mean that we are to have, what, complete confidence in him. And that's the way that it has to be. God despises half-heartedness. And you remember the Lord spoke about, O ye of little faith, we're to love him with all of our heart, trust him with all of our heart, serve him with all of our heart. And, and, and we need to understand that because there's so many times that maybe we're going through a crisis situation and, you know, we know God can do anything, right? Nobody would... Nobody here would have the audacity to say, well, there's some, something God can't do. We know God has all power in heaven and earth, and he can do it. And, but there's so many times that even as we pray, and, and I've, I've been guilty like everybody else, even as we pray, it's kind of like in the back of our mind, you know, I know I'm obligated to pray about this and ask God to do this, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I just don't think God's going to do that. And whenever we get that way, we need, uh, we, need, we need to back up and settle down and get in the Word and let God develop a strong faith within us. The, the old-timers years ago, now don't misunderstand this because there is a certain group, a, a certain group of people, and probably some of the old-time Methodists were guilty of this. The Free Will Baptists are guilty of it. And they believe in praying through for salvation. That you you got to get on your knees and you got to beg and you got to plead. And usually somebody will come up there and beat you on the back and say something like, "Have you got through yet, brother? Have you got through yet, brother? You know." And uh, and and listen, some of them will stay there for an hour just begging and pleading. <laughs> Praying through has nothing to do with being saved. You can be saved without ever openly verbalizing a prayer if we believe in our heart on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if we if we ever develop this mindset that it's the prayer, somebody said, well, I know he's saved because he prayed. Really? Really? Well, I'll bet there's been some people pray, you know, going over the edge of a cliff. Oh, God, save me. But that doesn't mean that they were saved. If we, if we make prayer to be the means of salvation, we're just as guilty as the Church of Christ that say you've got to be baptized because we're basing it on what we do instead of what God's done. So it's a matter of believing. And I know the Bible says, call upon the Lord, you know, and thou shalt be saved. Naturally, prayer can be an expression of our faith and a part of receiving Christ as our Savior. So so those folks, those folks have got it wrong when they talk about praying through in order to be saved. You don't have to beg God to save you. All you got to do is trust Him. But, but when it comes to the Christian, when it comes to the Christian... You know, I think there is something to that 
in regards to prayer that that there are so many times that we just half-heartedly, out of a sense of duty, just offer up our request to God and 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 move on. There's no no sense of urgency uh, in our heart whatsoever. No sense of desperation in our heart. And I think it do us good sometimes that if we just stayed on our knees until, like some of the old-timers used to say, until God gave us assurance. And I know there have been times I've prayed about a matter, and, 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 and I've I got to be honest, it doesn't always happen. A lot of times I'll pray, and I don't know what God's going to do, and uh, I'll get up you know, off of my knees and go my way. I still don't know what God's going to do. But there are times that I have prayed and I have prayed and I have prayed and it's just like God turned on a little light bulb up there and said, it's okay, all right, you can quit praying, you don't have to worry about it. Got off my knees, didn't worry about it another time because I just knew in my heart God is going to answer our prayers. The prayer of a, of a righteous man, the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much and so we're to have entire faith with all of thine heart now that's the command trust in the lord with all of thine heart now notice the counsel the counsel uh, in verse number five so he's issued the command and here's the counsel and he's going to give us counsel uh, from the negative standpoint and also from the positive standpoint so you get both sides of the coin now here's the warning and then he'll give the instruction But first of all comes the warning. He says, lean not unto thine own understanding. And that deals with one of the biggest problems that we've got because we we tend to depend upon human uh, wisdom and natural reasoning rather than God. And that's that's a huge mistake when we do that. When we depend upon what we can do and what we think. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 10, or maybe you want to jot this down in the margin of your Bible if you're not familiar with it. Jeremiah 10, verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Some of you have heard me say this before, but I think that's kind of a polite way of God saying that you don't have enough sense to know how you ought to live, how you ought to walk, how you ought to order your life. And that's true. Uh, Lean not to your own understanding, our text says. Don't depend upon upon yourself. He tells us in Proverbs chapter 28 uh, that that is folly. And Jeremiah chapter 2, he tells us that it is actual rebellion when we're depending on self instead of depending upon God. So if we are wise, we're going to depend upon God rather than ourselves or or rather than the advice of others. And so uh, sometimes when that happens, and, and this is where we often get a bit fearful, sometimes as we pray and we seek the will of God depending upon him, he leads us to do things that are contrary to human reasoning. Remember, he said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, you know. His ways are far higher than ours. And there are times that God leads us to do things that, you know, from the natural point, it's like, well, that ain't going to work. 
I mean, it just looks plain stupid in the eyes of the world. And and I know this church, there have been times that we've exercised faith after, you know, after praying about a matter of what God wanted us to do, and we were in no financial condition to do that at the time, and yet we did. We went ahead. We knew this is what God wants, and so we're going to do it. When we first moved here, uh, I can remember uh, we talked about, you know, putting Bev on 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 a salary so she could spend time uh, being of help, uh, you know, to me doing the secretarial work and what have you. We didn't have the money at all, really. And and Gilbert Wood, who's dead and in glory now, I can remember the comment Gilbert made is, is this what God wants us to do or not? You know, if it's what God wants us to do, we don't need to worry about that. And, uh, and and we need to keep that in mind. Lean not to your own understanding. Now, that's the warning. Don't lean on your own understanding. But here's the instruction. In all of thy ways, acknowledge him. Notice that little word, all. That is so very important because that includes every detail of our life. I'm afraid there's a lot of times we sing that song, I surrender all. And we don't. And God wants us to trust Him and to obey Him in every area of our life. In all of thy ways. Not just, you know, not just the religious aspect of your life. But concerning your education, concerning your vocation, and everything else. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and that word acknowledge comes from a Hebrew word that means to know. It's used 645 times in the Bible. It means to know or be acquainted with. It means to know by experience, to recognize or to consider. And so it's it's not not just accumulating certain facts in your mind and being able to uh, to, to quote those facts and repeat them like a parrot, uh, but it means that you know by experience uh, uh, that you have an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I'll never forget some years ago, Bev had brought a lesson to, uh, to, to the ladies. I think it was in a ladies' fellowship meeting and uh, brought a message from the Song of Solomon and uh, those of you, and which I, I suppose all of you are familiar with that, and the beautiful picture there of the intimate relationship between a man and a woman and how that is typical of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as she talked about some of those things, boy, she, I, I, I mean, somebody unloaded her on her with both barrels after it was over and being hypercritical about it, you know, that that is worldly and carnal, and how can you compare the love of a man and a woman, you know, uh, w- with God, and it, it just seemed crude to them. They just didn't understand. By the way, it talks about Adam, you know, knowing his wife. I mean, that word know has to do with sexual intimacy between a, a man and a woman. It's something that we experience. So whenever he's talking here about acknowledging the Lord, he's talking about us having an experience, as it were, with the Lord, an intimate relationship with God, and, you know, not just a fleeting knowledge of God. And uh, so that is that we're to have our focus on Him in every area and every detail of our life. Well, that's the counsel. The 
the command is trust in the Lord with all divine heart. The counsel here is lean not to your own understanding. Why? Well, it'll get you in trouble. And the instruction in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Now, now we come to the consequences in verse number 6. Turn back there with me. Verse number 6. Notice if we do that, it says, He shall direct thy paths. This word, the Hebrew word direct, means to be right, straight, level, upright, just, smooth, or lawful. I think Matthew Henry summed it up maybe the best of anyone that I that I've read, and I jotted it down many years ago. He said concerning this, "He shall direct thy paths, so that thy way shall be safe and good, and the issue happy at last." Well, that kind of fits into what old Brother Truett used to say about the will of God being right. Being, being best and being safest. Uh, it's basically the same thing. He shall direct thy paths. So the result of trusting confidence in God and total commitment to God is that he's going to direct our paths. Remember, level, straight, so on and so forth. God's going to straighten out the crooked places. He's going to He's going to level out the steep places. And we're faced with a lot of tough decisions in life that determines our destiny. One wrong step, and we're in trouble. Uh, in, the, in the 1960s, early 1960s, I worked for the Missouri State Highway Department on the construction of Highway 65 from Springfield all the way down to Branson. And so if you're ever up there and you drive that that road to understand that I have walked every inch of that, not only not only in that direction, but at least every 50 feet all of the way out to the right-of-way in every direction, back and forth. Uh, when I started, we were laying out the highway. There wasn't no, any road there, by the way. It's it just hills and hollers. I mean, that's all there was. We didn't even have chainsaws. We used double-bitted axe and... A, a, a brush hook and things like that, and uh, uh, that's what we cut the survey line with, going all the way down to Branson. And uh, and I worked for the highway department then through all of the survey part of it. Uh, the contractor took the job, and I worked as a, uh, an inspector then, overseeing the contractor. And at the very end, I quit the highway department, went to work for the contractor to wrap up the finishing touches on the job. So, I, I, you know, I know it like the back of my hand, or at least I did. And the point is, if you've ever been down through there, I mean, you've got these, these steep rock bluffs, and, and naturally that had to, had to be blasted out of there, dynamite. And uh, you'd take the material out of the cuts and put them in the fill and build up the fills to where you got... I can't say you got a level road because it's still pretty hilly and what have you, but you've got something at least you've got a road now that you can traverse, something you can drive on. You can get from point A to point B where you couldn't before. Now, life is a lot that way. 
It's, you know, you've got high places and low places and dangerous places. And by putting our trust in the Lord, depending upon Him, trust the Lord with all of our heart. When we do that, He makes straight our path. That those, those places, and by the way, we, uh, in surveying that, we, we come to some places that looked absolutely impossible, just a sheer drop-off and a rocky bluff, and we thought, how in the world, you know, uh, are we going to do this? So we'd set up the transit up on top of the bluff and shoot over there on the other side and then maybe have to work backwards from there because it was certainly something we couldn't get up and down you know, on our own. Well, life is that way. We run into these situations to where, uh, to where, you know, we, we just we can't go on. We can't proceed. We we can't go any further. We're up against it. And, and it's then if we will acknowledge God in all of our ways, He's going to make the road straight and level. He's going to direct our path. What I'm trying to get you to see is. This is more than just about guidance. And usually when we look at these verses, uh, that's all we ever think of. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart, and he shall direct thy paths, in that he will give you guidance. Well, he does give us guidance, but he does more than that. I mean, it would be horrible, you know, if somebody would just said, you know, uh, okay, we need a road down through there. And so uh, from Springfield, you know, we want you to go, go south. Uh, you know, about 60 miles. Well, you got to have more information than that. Well, in life, you know, God could just give direction, say, okay, this is what I want you to do. But if that's all God did, we'd still be stuck in a quagmire because we don't have the wherewithal to do what's necessary to survive and thrive in those situations. I said a while ago, sometimes whenever God is directing your path, that God leads you to do something that's totally, totally contrary to your natural reasoning. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happened when we moved here. In fact, I think that's what happened every move that I've made from one pastorate to another. Uh, because I, you know, look at the situation that I was in, and in every instance, every time I moved, I, I, I received less salary than, than what I was making every single time. In every, every move I made, I put my family in jeopardy. I'm talking about according to natural reasoning. And I thought, you know, how in the world? This doesn't make any sense at all. All of my kids, you know, they're in school here. All of their friends are here. This doesn't make any sense for me to go down there. All my preacher friends, not all of them, but most of them were, you know, in that area in Tennessee and Kentucky. And, uh, boy, why in the world God would want me to go to Texas? And, you know, I I thought about the kids. Tim was... uh, excelled in in, in 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 sports and football and in baseball and uh, in, in fact in the in baseball team they had a a chart by which they assessed all of the players and uh, I'll brag on him for a little bit because he wouldn't say it but anyway the coach made up a chart 
and he uh, he told everybody because Tim could run further than anybody, throw harder than anybody, hit better than anybody. I mean, he excelled in every area. So he said, okay, Tim's the standard here, and he graded every player their throwing and, you know, hitting and all of their ability based on that. And according to him, you measure up to a five, and you're an eight, and, and what have you. So, you know, I thought when we moved here, uh, you know, I'm I'm... I'm, I'm afraid that how, how's that going to affect his... I'm, I'm a dad like anybody else. I mean, I wanted him to excel, and he had set up some records in the Little League football up there and stuff like that. And I thought, my, this is... We're going to move down there. He didn't know anybody. And, in fact, we moved down here. I, I talked to the coach out there at New Caney, and, and uh, to make a long story short, Tim got down here. He didn't know anybody. He wouldn't play. He never did play, and uh, you know, at the time I thought, boy, oh boy, this is this is horrible. I've moved my family down here, and now he'll never get a college scholarship to play ball, or you know, whatever. And 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 I've got to tell you, I beat myself up over that. But you know what? Looking back on that, I know I did what God wanted me to do. And I've got to tell you, back then, I never dreamed that Tim would be doing what he's doing today. Never dreamed of that. And I can see so very clearly now that that God knew a whole lot better than I did exactly the way that it ought to be, and it couldn't have worked out any better than it has. I mean, I'm just so thankful that God helped me to make that decision that whenever the phone rang that second time and I said, okay, yeah, you know, I decided I'll come down and I'll meet the people and I'll I'll come down and, and preach in view of a call. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways and He'll direct your paths. Now, there's a little poem and it says, uh, and I'll close with this, we've run out of time. He does not lead me year by year, nor even day by day, but step by step my path unfolds, my Lord directs my way. Tomorrow's plans I do not know, I only know this minute, but he will say this is the way, by faith now walk in it. And I am glad that it is so, today's enough to bear, and when tomorrow comes his grace shall far exceed its care. What need to worry then or fret? The God who gave His Son holds all the moments in His hand and gives them one by one. It's really true. His will is right and it's best and it is the safest place on this earth. And if we acknowledge Him with all of our heart, He's going to smooth out those rough roads in our life and and enable us uh, to get to that place in our spiritual growth and so forth where He wants us to be. It's always better than than to try to chart our own course because if we do that, we're going to end up shipwrecked. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let's bow together for prayer.